Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Are you ready for something fresh, for something new? Me too. This has been uh, quite a long time coming. What we're about to get started with this morning, our new... uh, theme our new series if you will of messages that we're is going to take us from now all the way for the next couple of months called 2020 everybody say 2020 And this is something that's been stirring in me and developing in inside of me for many months now it was hard It was hard not to go ahead and start preaching this uh, several weeks ago because it was so strong in my heart but um, as if you were here over the summer months We took two whole months to talk about our heart for the house, right? And it was a a big focus on our heart and really God's heart for us as a church and what is our heart for this house, for this church, for this ministry. And what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks and even a couple of months is switching from the heart to the head, all right? Is that okay? Now, I'm not saying we're going to not talk about the heart anymore, because in reality, talking about vision, what we see, right, with our eyes, it had to start, and it always has to start in the heart. And that's why we took so long to talk about our heart. But what we want to do, starting today, is kind of switch gears and start talking about what we see for the future. Everybody say 2020. And we're doing this at a very crucial time in the history of our church because uh, many of you probably know that we're coming up on a very exciting and special milestone. In fact, September 14th will mark five years since we officially launched uh, Encounter Church. And what we're going to be doing is from the middle of September... Um, all the way to the beginning of October, we're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary, okay? We decided this year we're not just going to celebrate it on one day. We're going to take three solid weeks and just celebrate all God has done for five years, right? We're going to have a pastor, one of the pastors on staff at Bethany Church with us. We're going to have our our spiritual father, our sending pastor, Pastor Dale Walker from, from New Mexico with us. And then I can't even believe it, but on October 5th and 6th, we're going to have Pastor Joel and Amy Stockstill here with us to celebrate five years. So three weeks in a row to celebrate our five-year milestone. As we were coming into this season, you know, normally around this time of year, we get a vision for next year, right? But this time around, as we're praying and and just seeking the Lord, we felt like God gave us like a five-year vision what he wants to, to see for the next five years. And in reality, what we've been talking about over the summer was the basis of it. I believe over the next five years, we're going to see an army of disciple makers multiply in this city. And that is the heart of it. But what do we see? What is it that we see? Come on, say 2020. The reality is... If we want to be successful at something, we need to have a clear vision of that, right? Yes. If I am, you know, the, pardon my uh, ignorance on the subject, I'm more of a baseball fan, but if I'm the quarterback, and I hope I'm saying this right, 
If I want to throw a touchdown, I need to first see clearly the end zone, right? Right? Hey, I got it right, right? Okay. I need to be able to see where that ball is supposed to go if I'm going to be successful at making the touchdown, right? Yes. So, as we move towards the year 2020, God wants to give us a 2020 vision. And that's what he spoke to me back before the summer began. As you move towards the year 2020, I'm going to give the church a crystal clear 2020 vision of where we are going, of where God is calling us into. Amen? So the first thing that I think is so extremely important to see clearly is Christianity in the first place. Right? If I'm going to live a successful Christian life, I need a crystal clear vision of what Christianity is. I first need a vision of Christianity. And so today, I'm going to give you part one of this new theme, 2020. And the title of our message today is Holy F-Bombs. Why are y'all laughing? Come on, y'all. Don't think for a moment we were about to go there. I know what some of y'all are thinking. We are going to drop some F-bombs at church this morning, but I promise they're going to be holy. And what do I mean by this? Today, I'm going to talk to you about three F-words. Just turn to somebody and say F-word. See, I know I'm... Of course, I'm not being ugly, maybe just a little silly. But when I thought about this, these are three F words that if you let them in your life, they will absolutely blow you up. They will explode your life in all of the good sense of the word. These three F words... If you embrace them and you run with them, these things will take you where nothing else can. And so today, these truly are some F-bombs. And I'm going to believe that they're going to drop in our spirit. They're going to drop in our minds today. And as we grab a hold of these words, not just as words, but these truths from the word of God, our lives and our church is going to blow up. It's going to explode. We're going to see a great move of God. And we're going to see a city touched because of what God does here, right? Come on, go ahead and tell your neighbor, it's okay today to drop a little F-bomb. Now, you better not do what you know I'm saying not to do, right? (laughs) So why did you choose that title? I guarantee you, you're not going to forget this one. (laughs) Ready? If I'm going to live a Christian life, I need a crystal clear vision of the Christian life. And Christianity is. Let me give you a one word definition of Christianity. Christianity is discipleship. Christianity is discipleship. Christianity is not a creed. Christianity is not songs. Christianity is not religious activities. Christianity isn't even church. 
We do have a creed. There are some things we believe and we stand firm on. We do come to church and gather because that's what Jesus taught us to do, right? We do sing songs. We do do a lot of serving. But Christianity in and of itself is none of those things. Christianity is discipleship. What is discipleship? Following Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, discipleship is following Jesus. So Christianity is following Jesus. That's what it is. I want to invite you today to open your mind and drop preconceived ideas. Real. You know, we live in Atlanta, right? The the home of the real thing, Coca-Cola. Come on, somebody. Come. (laughs) And you know, if you put a Pepsi up to your lips and it makes its way to your taste buds. All of my Pepsi fans in the house aren't going to like this this morning, but you know that's not the real thing, right? Maybe for you, Pepsi is the real thing, but you, you get what I'm saying. There's a, a real thing, and then there's a lot of things that look like the real thing or have some of the elements of the real thing, right? And Pepsi has almost exactly the same ingredients as Coca-Cola, but not exactly. There's something, and I guess they still think it's a secret ingredient or something for Coca-Cola. But let me tell you, there is no secret ingredient to real Christianity. The one ingredient is discipleship. Christianity means to follow. Now, maybe not what our modern definition of Christianity is. It may not be what you have heard at church. It may not be what you hear on TV from the preachers. It certainly isn't what you will hear from people that think they know what Christianity is and they don't. A lot of people have reduced Christianity to just this, what we're doing right now, sitting in rows or standing and singing, listening to one guy who tends to be louder than everybody else, so he's the preacher, right? Hugging or doing the side hug. Come on, y'all. Using words like glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. God is good all the time. Okay, so we know all the time. Now, is all of that true? But is that Christianity? Can you know how to say all of that and come to this place or any other church in the city, sing the songs, have all the Christian friends, know how to do the side hug and eat at Chick-fil-A? Come on, again, this is the city. (laughs) That is not Christianity. Those are expressions of Christianity. Those are expressions of the way we culturally do Christianity here in North Georgia, right? But Christianity is following Jesus. So the first F word that I want to explode in your spirit and in your heart today is follow. Follow. 
Jesus does not and did not ever invite us just to believe in him. He invites us to follow him. And what Christianity for the most part has been reduced to is the creed, right? This I believe. Well, whoop-de-doo. Did you know the Bible says that the devil and the demons believe? So just believing doesn't make me any better off than Lucifer. Real belief, real faith requires us to follow. Everybody say follow. Let's look at the Bible. Is that all right? Mark 1, we're going to go through quite a few scriptures right here, so be ready. Uh, be ready to read and listen quickly. Is that all right? Now, when I get to a certain point in the scripture, we have it here on the screen, so it's easy for you to follow along. You can look at your Bible as well. But when I get to a certain point and I pause, I want you to shout out the word. Is that okay? One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net in the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come. Follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. As they, uh, and they left their nets at once and followed. followed him. A little farther up the shore, they saw, uh, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once and they also followed him leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men let's go to the next chapter Mark chapter 2 13 and 14 then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him as he walked along he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus sitting at a tax collector's booth <laughs> all right y'all still with me follow me and be my disciple Jesus said to him so Levi got up and Hmm, followed him. Now let's go to John, just in case Mark was telling a lie. All right. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by. John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed. It's kind of like they knew what to do, right? Hmm, they followed Jesus, and Jesus looked around and saw them following what do you want he asked them they replied rabbi which means teacher where are you staying come and see another way to say follow right he said it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day Andrew Simon Peter's brother sorry Andrew who was Simon Peter's brother was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him uh-oh it looks like not only is Jesus saying come follow but those that are following him are already going getting other people to come follow right he says he went and found his brother does anybody need to go find your brother sister friend neighbor and tell them this is what he said we found the Messiah which means Christ, which we know eventually know he came to save us, right? This, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John. But you're going to be called Cephas, which means Peter, which also means rock, right? Okay. 
The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself. Which is another way to say, follow, Philip replied. Sorry if this is redundant, but I really want us to get a clear picture. Is that all right? Matthew. So we already done Mark, John. Now Matthew 19, 16 to 21. uh, Someone came to Jesus with this question, uh, teacher. Uh, So now, okay, let let me just preface this. Now we're not with Jesus calling what most people consider his disciples the 12 anymore, right? Okay. Now we're just out in the crowds. We're out amongst the people. It says, teacher, what good uh, deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. So was he talking to a religious person? Mm Mm-hmm. Which ones? And Jesus replied, the Ten Commandments, basically, right? You must not murder him. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely on your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, I have obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else? It seems like the young man knew that religion wasn't enough. Like there was something in him that told him, I've obeyed all the commandments, but what else? Right? He says, what else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect... I think Jesus' definition of perfect and our definition are two very different things. Perfect means complete, right? If you want to have all, if you want to have it all, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Hmm. Take all that you know from the word, all that good religion that you got. Maybe you were brought up with it. I know in the house we have some people that were not brought up religious. Sometimes it's easier for you if you weren't brought up religious, all right? But listen, in this case, he knew the commandments. He knew the word, and Jesus was saying, you only lack in one thing. Keep all of that. That's good. But lay everything down and come follow me. Did you know you can be religious and not follow Jesus? We also find out that there were many that learned to follow Jesus that were by no means religious in the first place, right? In the end, it's all about following. It's all about following him. Back to Matthew again, 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Are we getting the picture? One more, John 21, 18. I tell you the truth, when you were a young man, this is very interesting. All right, again, a a teeny little intro here. 
Jesus has already uh, risen. He's already died on the cross. He's already risen from the dead. He's about to ascend back into heaven, and he's with some of his disciples. And he's telling them, you were able when you were young to do what you like. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and others will dress you, take you where you didn't want to go. Jesus said this to him to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. By the way, he's talking to John, one of his 12 uh, disciples. Peter, I'm sorry, he's talking to Peter. This is written by John, and he's about to talk about John. (laughs) He's telling Peter, follow me. And Peter turned around and did what a lot of people do. He saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, John, right? And he said, The one, it's the one who leaned over during supper and asked, uh, Lord, who will betray you? So we're talking about John. And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about him? Uh-oh. And Jesus basically answered, Nanya. <laughs> right? If I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? As for you, follow me. If you're comparing your walk with Jesus to what somebody else does or does not do rather than to what Jesus is asking of you, that's not following. Jesus didn't ask us to follow anyone else. Jesus calls us to follow him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? According to everything we observe in the Gospels, it all boils down to one word. To follow Jesus is to obey him. To follow Jesus is to obey him. In John chapter 8, which we read a couple of weeks ago, Jesus saying, was telling people that were following him around, if you want to be my true disciples, you don't only listen to my words, but you do them and you remain in them, right? You obey my words. Those who obey my words, they're my real followers. They're my real disciples. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It doesn't mean that one day you made a decision and now you're perfect. It doesn't mean that one day you made a decision and now you never make a mistake again. But let me tell you what it also does not mean. It doesn't mean one day you came to an altar, knelt down and prayed a prayer, but then you didn't really have a change in your lifestyle. Listen, to follow implied a change of direction. Rather than keeping going where they were going, rather than staying in the boat and keeping on fishing with daddy, they had to get up, leave something and somebody behind. Come on now. Sometimes we've got to get up, actually all the time, if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to get up, you're going to have to leave something and at times somebody behind and go in a new direction. Following Jesus is obedience to him, is to obey his word. I said it in the beginning, but I'm going to say it again. True faith requires action. 
True faith requires action. My question today is, have you decided not to believe in Jesus? You got to do that for sure. <laughs> You're not going to follow somebody you don't believe. And it's not just believe in, you got to believe him. That what he says is true. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. So I'm going his way. But have you decided to get up, leave whatever you need behind, and leave whomever you need to leave behind, and go his way? Have you decided to follow Jesus? If you have not made that decision, make it today. You don't even have to wait for the end of service for me to make some sort of invitation or altar call. You can make that decision sitting right there in your seat right now, listening wherever you're listening online. Just decide today, I'm no longer going my way. I'm going to go his way. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Number two, the second F-bomb today is fish. Well, we've been saying this and saying it and saying it and I'm going to say it again and I'm pretty sure it will be said again soon. One of the greatest privileges of being a Jesus follower is getting others to follow Jesus with you. It's one of the greatest privileges. After having been forgiven and delivered and set free and healed and received hope, that I get to go invite others to come follow him with me. It's one of the greatest privileges. In fact, you know, we already read it, so I'm not going to go back and read it, the whole scripture again. But in Matthew 1, 16, the very first thing Jesus told his followers, his disciples, the very first, we could call it their job description, right? Was, now I'm going to show you how to fish for other people, right? To fish for people. It wasn't just the first thing he told his disciples, but it actually happens to be the very last thing he also told his disciples. First words to his first disciples and last words to all his disciples. Did you catch that? First words to his first disciples and last words to all his disciples disciples was this mark 16 15 and he told them go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone we've read it probably 20 times over the past couple of months but matthew 28 19 says therefore go and make disciples right this is so important that we get our head and our heart around this today Y'all right? Somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say. We don't need an officially organized evangelism event 
to fish for people. We go out and we do on the red box and sing and preach and give testimonies and pray for the sick. We're going to continue to do that. That's one of the ways. We do community outreaches. We go on mission trips. I'll get more to that in a minute, but we have weekly e-groups that exist. Yes, to get us discipled, but really, 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 they're one of their main points is to get more disciples, right? Those are all official meetings or events, but most people don't come to Jesus through an organized evangelistic event. Most don't. Many do. Praise God for crusades. Praise God for outreaches. Praise God for mission trips and all of that. But most people don't come to Jesus through one of those big organized events. Most people come to Jesus because somebody in their life shared the good news with them and brought them in. Many of us probably ended up with Jesus because one of our friends or our mom or our cousin or our boss or whatever, somebody was with Jesus and ended up bringing us in. I don't know how you came to Jesus. Maybe you did come to Jesus at a Sunday church service. That's a big part of our culture here, right? But let me tell you something that I've been noticing more and more and more. It used to be the way to win people, right, was get them to come to church. I don't know if you've noticed, but people that aren't interested in Jesus aren't going to come to church. It doesn't matter how enticing you make it or how cool or how relevant let me tell you how the gospel is relevant. Right there where they are. People don't need to be told, I, I invite you to come on Sunday so you can hear the good news. People need to be told, let me tell you the good news right now in a CVS as you're waiting for your long receipt <laughs> to officially print out. You have time to preach the whole gospel. All right, y'all are still with me. Let me say it again, most people aren't reached through organized events, but rather through people who live their daily lives to share the good news. See, Jesus said, I'm going to come back up to these scriptures here in just a second, but let me read you another one. We reach people as a part of our everyday life. This is very uncomplicated, y'all. If you're waiting for your e-groups uh, Tuesday night to then finally let them hear the gospel, you missed a step. If you're waiting for them to finally show up at church, that by some miracle, they ended up here or somewhere to hear the gospel on a Sunday. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you not noticed that most people that are at church on Sunday are people that already love Jesus? But boy, is it exciting when you get somebody brand new that is just blasted by the love of God. By the grace of God, by the mercy that they're forgiven, that they're healed, that they're set free. Oh my goodness, it's, it's through people who live their daily lives. And Jesus said that we do it as we go. 
Now, this is where I want us to be careful because we have to read the Bible like it says it. Are, are y'all good? Okay. And remember the translations from Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek and all this, all right? We've got to read it with the correct phrasing. And this is where I think we sometimes, it's not clicking up here, so it's not clicking here, right? Because we read, I want you to go uh, jump back up to, I'm going out of order of my notes. Help me, Lord. All right. Let's go back to Matthew 28, 19. I want you to notice where the comma is because this is correct phrasing. So many times I read it like this. Therefore, go and make disciples. But it reads like this. Therefore, go and make. That's a very different feeling. Because therefore, go, it feels like I got to first go somewhere to do anything. But the way Jesus was saying it is, therefore, go and make. Like, as you go, make. How many of us go somewhere every week? I mean, we go about life, right? We go to the grocery store. We go to Walgreens. We go to the park. We, I don't know where you go. Those are the places I go. I go to Publix, I go to Walgreens, I go to Swift Cantrell, I go to Cobble Park, and when it's past midnight, I go to CVS because they're still open. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, therefore, go! Oh, now that you've gone, make some disciples. He said, go and make. Uh, I want you to say it so it doesn't, let's just click in our brain. Say, go and make. Go and make. Go and preach. Go and share. Go and heal. A few more scriptures that will help you with that. Matthew 10, 7, uh, New King James says, as you go, as you go, preach. Right? I mean, that, could it be any, any clearer than that? As you go, where? Wherever you go. <laughs> preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's read the full passage of that. And actually, I like the, uh, the, passion one, the passion translation on this one. Go instead and find the lost sheep among the people of Israel. As you go, and as you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch we got to let people know that God's not far away. He's right here. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick. We don't really have lepers in, in the U.S., but we have a lot of people that are sick, right? And make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people. And raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. It's a habit. Come on, say, go and make. Go and preach. Go and heal. Go and set free. I don't want you to wait until we go to Christmas in Cuba, and then I'll make some disciples. I don't, I'm not going to wait till I go to my e-group on Thursday. To preach the good news to somebody. 
I'm going to leave church today and I'm going to go and make. I'm going to go and preach. I'm going to go and heal. You say, me? Yes, you. (laughs) Come on, tell your neighbor, you. Y'all all all right? Let me just wrap this part up. The preaching and the healing and the making is in the going. The preaching and the healing and the making is in the going. It's not in the let me plan it out and then I'll do it and then don't nobody come anyway. When you plan it out, right? I'm going to plan this great gospel message. Come hear it. Not. Right? If they don't want to hear it, they don't want to hear it. They got to hear it first. Most of y'all heard this story, but I'm just going to say it again for those that didn't hear the story. When I was a missionary in Mexico for eight years, I looked for every possible way to win people. And one thing I would do was go out to the park. And because I had been a gymnast, I could do um, backflips and all sorts of stuff. And I would literally go and I would do aerials and back tucks and layouts and Everything, I would just go out and do like a gymnastics performance in the park. Believe me, they did not come to hear my gospel message. They came to see me, this white boy in the middle of Mexico, doing backflips. They thought the U.S., the, the, the Kennesaw gymnastics team had come to town. And guess what? I land that I'd stick that landing and I'd let them have it I'd blast them I'd preach the gospel to them do you know how many people came to Jesus because I did stupid things like that Liz will tell you she used to be scared of the folks I'd bring to church I didn't care who they were where they'd come from how many drugs they had just taken I'd go where the people were. I literally would go into the ghetto and I'd knock on people's doors and I'd walk down the streets and I'd especially find young people because I was like 18, 19 at the time. And I'd just befriend them and start telling them about Jesus. And I did not walk up to them and go, you know, you, you don't repent today, you're going to hell. <laughs> we eventually got to that point, <laughs> Right? No, I just go about my business. Hey, que onda? Como estas? Yo me llamo Hunter. Tu como te llamas? Oh, very, very good. She's got it. All right. I just start making friends with people. And as I did, dozens of them came to Jesus. One of them is the pastor of the church today. And I want him to Jesus from the street, from being a partier. I was just his friend, and I shared the gospel with him. Today, he's the pastor. It's just in the going that, that you do the preaching and the healing. All right. Third F word. Fellowship. Come on, say, follow, fish, fellowship y'all ready for this one brace yourself brace for impact Jesus never invited anyone to follow him as a loner 
In fact, it's not allowed. That's why we have the church. There's no such thing as a called out one. We're the called out ones. Ecclesia, church. Jesus never invited anyone to follow him as a loner. When Jesus called people to follow him, it was always in the context of a group. Always. Following Jesus as a loner isn't following Jesus. In fact, you won't be able to make it very far. He he didn't... Listen. Everyone, just read the Gospels. Jesus, you don't see Jesus one-on-one. Let me disciple you, and 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 let me disciple... No, he was like, come follow me. And get, get, what did that mean, really? Come follow us, right? Come follow us. Come join this group that was, oh my Lord, were they diverse? <laughs> Some of them, and if it were just up to culture, they would have hated each other. Racial, political differences, everything. Like some of them were like, you know, the Bible says that they, he even nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Because they were like bad mouths. And then you had tax collectors who everybody else just hated because they were cheats. Right? Remember how people responded when Jesus told Zacchaeus? Hey. You have to understand, you can't follow Jesus on your own. It's not going to happen. Jesus doesn't even invite you to follow him on your own. (laughs) You're not invited, okay? You are invited, however, to the group. Now, let me make something abundantly clear. Although our relationship with God is individual, it is individual, I can't have Michael's relationship with Jesus. My name happens to be Michael too. So, but anyway, (laughs) Michael has a relationship with Jesus and I have a relationship with Jesus. His relationship with Jesus is not my relationship with Jesus and mine is not his. But guess what? I am called to share my relationship with him and he's called to share his relationship with Jesus with me. Relationship with God is individual, but it is meant to be shared with others. It's meant to be. That's the way God designed it. And you know, discipleship is a group relationship. I'm almost done. Are you guys all right? Discipleship is a group relationship because it is impossible on your own. Um, You know, I've heard this said by many I think Andy Stanley may have been the first one to say it. I don't know if you like him or not. That doesn't matter. He said something very, he, he said something very true that is so real, and that is this. Circles are better than rows, right? Circles are better than rows. Um, why? Because we need this right here, right? I mean, we need this. We, we need this. We need to come together as a family. It's like a big family reunion. We happen to, in America, we happen to sit in rows. This isn't the way it's done all over the world, by the way. Did you know that? All right. But in the United States, we sit in rows, and we receive teaching 
But this right here is not where the nitty-gritty of discipleship happens. Discipleship happens better in a circle. Discipleship happens better in the context of a group. And Jesus did it that way, right? Jesus did it that way. He did preach to the crowds. I don't know if they sat in rows. But they sat in crowds, the Bible said. And, but who, where did discipleship happen? It was a small circle of 12 men in his case, right? That's where discipleship happened. And I want to ask you today, who's in your circle? Who's in your circle? Who are you following Jesus with in a close-knit way? You can't have a circle of 100 or 200. Or you can, who's in your circle? Like, you know, eventually, if you get, if, once you get more than 12 or 15 people in a circle, you get too far away and you can't really even interact very well, right? We need a small group of other disciples in our life to help us be disciples. But let me ask you another question this morning. Not only who's in your circle and whose circle are you in, how are you growing your circle? How are you making that circle bigger so that eventually it can be many, many, many circles, right? Of disciples. For us here at Encounter Church, we uh, have what we call encounter groups. Everybody say encounter groups. Affectionately known as e-groups, right? E-groups are encounter groups. And encounter groups provide us with this. The fellowship, the circle that we need for two things. To be discipled, but it also provides a circle. Will I bring my new disciples into? Are y'all okay? Did we get that? See, your encounter group is not just this group that I'm so tight-knit with and we just love each other so much and eat chips and salsa every week and, you know, and go out to coffee and do this and that and we share our life's burdens with each other. We do all of that, including the chips and salsa and the coffee, okay? We do all of that. But here in our church, our groups, our small groups exist to get us discipled in fellowship, but they also really, really have the purpose of bringing new people into the circle until the circle's too big and you got to make two. Did you get that? I want to ask really quick, some of our e-group leaders are in kids' church, and we have a couple that are actually traveling out of town today, but all e-group leaders that are in the house this morning, stand up and just remain standing, okay? Stand up and remain standing. I'm going to ask you, who's in your circle... And how are you growing your circle? By the way, Will, again, I said it, but Will is in kids' church. Felicia is in kids' church. Alex and Kwame Page are traveling, okay? Am I missing anybody else? Okay, stay standing. Sorry. But let me just say really quick, okay? This is Caleb and Bree. And yesterday, they started a brand new e-group for teenagers. This is Athena and Jessica together. They have a group for mommies. 
and they're reaching new mommies for Jesus. Thank you. This is Jackie and Andy. And they have an e-group for everybody. All right, let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Here in the back, look back, back to the right, this is Ryan and Charmaine. They also have an e-group for everybody. Thank you, guys. Robert, and is anybody else with you in here in your group? Jonathan, stand back up. All right. Robert and Jonathan and Nicole together are launching a group for everybody. All right. Back here we have Kurt and Nate. Wave, Nate. Everybody's looking, Nate. Wave. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. All right. They together also have an e-group for, it's like a guys group, right? It's a, an e-group to reach guys, right? To make disciples of guys. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Here we, <laughs> I'm not going in any order. All right. This is Ian. And way back there waving at us is Ashley. All right. They have a brand new e-group for everybody. All right. <laughs> right over here is come stand closer to your hubby. All right. This is Aaron and Rebecca Macias. And they have an e-group open to everybody. <laughs> I like, wow, this is great. And finally, last but not least, this is Kara and Matt. Oh, whoop, whoop. They just opened an e-group for everybody. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I don't think we have the pictures, but uh, most of you know Kwame and Alex. If you don't, they'll be back next week, so you'll meet them, okay? And then Felicia uh, is in Kids Church and Will is in Kids Church. Those are also, we have more encounter groups right now than we've ever had in the history of our church yeah and let me tell you what are you going to find in your encounter group follow you're going to learn more and more how to follow jesus fish that group exists for you to bring people to so they can learn to follow jesus and fellowship you're going to have a lot you're going to make great friends you're going to find people that'll pray with you and support you like a family right that's what our groups are for because look what it says here. Proverbs 27, 17. I'm almost done. All right, guys, let's not get restless. I know this is a little longer, but I really am almost done. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Man, when I was growing up, we sharpened knives and, you know, like our kitchen knives. And sometimes we didn't have the sharpener thing. So we would actually take two knives and just... Anybody ever sharpen knives like that together? Just rub two knives together. Why? Because the rubbing together of two blades has mutual benefit. And so does the rubbing together of two friends. There's a mutual benefit of rubbing up against each other in life and in following Jesus, right? Romans 12, 4, our last scripture of the day says, I love the amplified version, says, For just as in one physical body we have many parts... And these parts do not all have the same function or special use, right? Your eyes don't do what your ears do, right? Your pinky toe doesn't do what your belly button does, does it? 
Not all the parts have the same function or special use. So we, who are many, are nevertheless just one body in Christ. And individually, we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on one another. I want you to turn to somebody. This is the last thing I promise I'm going to make you say today. Tell somebody, you need me. And I need you. Just to wrap it up, how do I make this practical? Yeah, I think I put there some practical steps for you. One, reach people as you go about your everyday life. Stop waiting on evangelism events to happen. To reach people as you go about your everyday life. Two, bring those very people that you reach to your e-group. And eventually to the encounter retreat and all the other great things we do, right? So they can get discipled and finally invite them to church and prayer services and so they can get revived right this is how we do our vision come on let's just say it together follow fish fellowship follow fish Fellowship. Have these F-bombs exploded your life yet? Because let me... Let me just make something clear, all right? Are you following Jesus? Are you fishing for more disciples? And are you living in fellowship with other disciples? For the full effect got to have all three you really do true fruitful successful joy-filled Christian life won't happen unless you're following Jesus fishing bringing new people to him and fellowshipping as a family if you've got all three of those There is nothing that can stop an explosion of the kingdom of God in and through your life. How about we stand up? Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.